Welcome to Lead On, a program devoted to talking about practical issues related to ministry leadership. My name is Jeff Orge, and I'm the president of Gateway Seminary. Over the past 40 years, I've been a church planter and a pastor and a ministry executive. And through all those experiences, I've learned quite a bit about what it means to really address the practical issues of ministry leadership from a biblical perspective and definitely from a Christian worldview. So this program is devoted to those issues. Now this is not necessarily a preaching program or a teaching program in the sense that we look directly into passages of scripture, but we do bring to bear what the Bible says about these issues when it's appropriate and we'll try to do so even today. Over the past few weeks, I've been fascinated by surveys that have been done by various organizations related to the kinds of issues that ministry leaders faced in 2020 and the kinds of concerns they have moving into 2021. And so in these early programs, this first part of the year, I'm trying to address some of the primary issues that emerged in that surveying material from pastors and other ministry leaders about the kinds of things that are really troubling them right now. One of the things that was high on the list was this, managing unrealistic expectations in ministry leadership. Managing unrealistic expectations. Now, these unrealistic expectations can have two sources. Sometimes our followers have unrealistic expectations of us as ministry leaders, and we'll certainly talk about what it means to manage those today. But secondarily, we also have unrealistic expectations about ourselves and about our function in ministry and our leadership in ministry. So whether these unrealistic expectations emerge from our followers or they originate in us, we have to learn to manage them well or we're going to doom ourselves to perpetual frustration as ministry leaders. Let's first talk about some of the unrealistic expectations people have of us and maybe where they come from. You know, some unrealistic expectations can be unintended and sometimes even humorous. A pastor once told me that they announced that they had adopted a child and an older woman in their church said after the service, well, that's the way all pastors should get their children. Really? Well, I think most pastors would think that through the normal means of procreation, they would be more likely to obtain their children, but not for this woman. She didn't want her pastors participating in anything like that. Unrealistic, unintended, maybe a little bit humorous if you can take it in stride. But there are some other kinds of erroneous models of ministry leadership that people often thrust on us. What are the sources of these uh, unfortunate decisions or choices that produce these erroneous models, these unrealistic expectations. Well, sometimes people project models of ministry leadership from a past generation. They say, well, that's the way my grandfather did it when he was a pastor, or that's the way they did it back in the good old days when churches were closer and people and communities were more tight-knit and when pastors actually cared for people that they worked with. A past era and the idealization or the romanticization of that kind of perspective can lead to wrong expectations. Another possibility is they come out of comparing locations and former locations and former ministry settings. I know, for example, that when I moved from one part of the country to another part of the country, I discovered that the expectations surrounding funerals and memorial services and caring for people during bereavement and death 
were quite different in my new location than they had been in my old location. And so the people in the new location had a very different set of ministry expectations than those in the old location. And it was my responsibility to figure that out and to discern how to manage that. Another source of uh, unrealistic expectations in ministry or really faulty or erroneous expectations uh, is comparing different size ministries or different size churches and expecting the same thing from leaders in all contexts. Listen, pastors of large churches and pastors of small churches do some of the same things, to be sure. But the size of church really does set some of the expectations of what pastors and other ministry leaders can do. Elders, deacons, teachers, officers, people like that have to function one way in a small church, but perhaps in a very different way in a large church. So unrealistic expectations of ministry leaders may be unintended, sometimes even humorous, but they're still real. And the more serious and troublesome ones sometimes emerge because people are comparing us to people in a past era or people in another location or people in a different size church and demanding of us activity or behavior or uh, perspectives that simply aren't realistic. But perhaps the most overarching reason for unrealistic expectations that people have of ministry leaders is a misunderstanding of ministry work. Now, sometimes people joke about this by saying things like, well, you know the pastor, he only works one day a week. And most people say that in a joking way, but it is reflective of a misunderstanding of what ministry leadership is really like. Some other people wonder, why why isn't the pastor or why isn't my deacon or why aren't the elders of my church more responsive to me when I call them or email them? Why don't they let me hear back from them quickly? Because I'm the only person who's probably reaching out to them right now about this issue or about my concerns. Well, that's an unrealistic expectation that again, comes out of a misunderstanding of ministry work, recognizing that ministry leaders typically have dozens and dozens of people clamoring for their attention all at the same time. I think another part of this is people don't really understand the time investment it takes to do ministry well. When I was pastoring a church at one point, uh, one of our members developed a habit of coming by the office uh, of our church every Friday morning a little after 10. And at first, it was nice to have a drop-in visitor to say hello, but uh, it soon became wearisome. And after a few weeks, I asked him, why Why have you suddenly started coming by here every Friday morning? And his answer was, well, I take my wife for her hair appointment every Friday morning, and I come over to the church to kill some time while I'm waiting for her. To kill some time. He just felt that There was a great place to go and kill some time in a pastor's office, in a church office, over there at the church where there's not really anything happening. I mean, after all, it is a Friday. What possibly could be going on there that would cause me not to feel like I could just go over there and kill some time with people who don't have anything else to do but spend some time talking with me? Unrealistic expectations of ministry leaders. They can be unintended. They can even be humorous. They come out of a various of various kinds of sources, like comparing us to uh, past errors or former locations or different sized churches. But overarching reason for unrealistic expectations is that many people simply have a misunderstanding of what ministry work really is. Now, how do you deal with these unrealistic expectations? Well, first, ministry leaders must define expectations and boundaries. If you don't define them, no one among your followers is likely to do that for you. Now, let me say, first of all, 
in defining expectations and boundaries, we have to make a commitment as ministry leaders to work hard and stop complaining about doing so. Ministry leadership is hard work. It takes a lot of time. It requires a lot of effort. It is emotionally, spiritually, and can even be physically draining. I heard a, I was in a conversation recently with a person who said, hey, I want to ask you about a thing our pastor said recently. Okay, I said. Our pastor said that the stress of preaching once every six weeks is just too much for him. And he's asked our elders to create a plan whereby he gets one week every six weeks off from preaching. And this person said, is that reasonable or realistic? Do we really need to do that? Well, I had to be careful because I didn't want to say anything harmful to this pastor, but I had to honestly say that that's not realistic. Pastors have a responsibility to show up week by week and do their job, and a core part of their responsibility is preaching. And so the people of your church, if you're a ministry leader, they go to work every day. They work long hours. Uh, They don't go to work when they feel like it and stay home when they don't. They don't go to work when their boss is nice and stay home when she isn't. Uh, They don't go to work when things are happy and stay home when they're sad. No, people go to work because they have a responsibility to go there and get their job done. If you're a ministry leader, the first step in defining expectations and boundaries is make the decision that you're going to go to work every day, work hard, and put in the necessary time to do your job well. Now, going beyond that, though, ministry leaders must define their work and with the help of their uh, leadership team, set some limits on the kind of work they will do, the amount of time they will spend invested in that work, and some basic personnel policies or guidelines that help them understand when their work is done. Now, this is so important because ministry is one of those open-ended responsibilities that doesn't really have a fixed work product. We don't have a certain number of sales calls we have to make or a certain number of widgets that have to roll off the assembly line. And because of that, it's sometimes difficult to know when we've worked enough, uh, when we've done uh, the appropriate amount of work on a particular project or a particular assignment, and when we know that the work is really done. You can find some answers to this by setting boundaries with your leadership team, again, about your work schedule, the kind of work you will do when you're engaged in that work schedule, and the standards by which you'll be able to evaluate whether or not the work is really being done. Now, this might seem like it's restrictive to a ministry leader, but it's really not. It's actually liberating. Because once you get these procedures and these plans and these practices put into place, It's really liberating because you're able to point to something and say, I accomplished the work that was assigned to me. I completed the tasks I had agreed to do. I fulfilled what we had mutually agreed were my responsibilities. And because of that, I can feel satisfied and secure and even rewarded in a sense because of what I've done. And when people from the outside who don't understand this criticize me or claim I should be doing more or claim I should be doing something differently, I can point to this standards of policies and procedures and practices and say, no, this is what we've agreed that I'm responsible to do. This is what we've agreed that I need to be doing. This is what I've done, which fulfills those responsibilities. And therefore, I can feel good about meeting the expectations within the boundaries that we've set. 
And a part of this is that ministry leaders need a system of accountability to assure they are meeting realistic expectations and then to also reward them, compliment them, and help them understand a sense of fulfillment when they have met those expectations. Having this kind of system gives everyone relief from the pressure of unrealistic expectations. Now, you may say, yeah, that sounds good in theory, but it's hard to do in a church context. My, my pastor really doesn't have any of this set up for himself. How can I expect him to set it up for me? Or I'm just a volunteer. I'm a deacon or an elder or a trustee or some other church leadership position, and things just aren't done this tightly in our church. Well, they can be. You can step forward and say, why don't we work toward this? Why don't we create these structures? Why don't we get someone from our denomination or from another church that does this well or from an outside group that could help us? Why don't we find a book or a seminar or something on these kinds of issues and let's work together to create a set of expectations of what do the deacons in our church do? What do the elders do? What do the pastoral what does the pastoral staff do? What does the pastor do? What are their responsibilities? What are their expectations? How can we and they know when we've met them and fulfilled them so that we aren't laboring under this constant pressure of unrealistic expectations and unmet expectations and instead can be satisfied and have joy in the actual completion of ministry work that really matters? Now, this is, again, so freeing for those of us who are in ministry leadership. You might say, well, it doesn't sound freeing. It sounds restricting. No, it's not. Uh, Remember, good fences make good neighbors. When you put up boundaries, all it does is define the scope of responsibility and provide you, if you will, a field in which you're to play or participate or in which you're to fulfill what you're supposed to do. But also those fences protect you from outsiders who might be attacking or invading or infiltrating and trying to confuse what's supposed to be happening in your particular field of ministry or in the place where you particularly are getting your work done. You know, I have a ministry responsibility with a couple of thousand students and about 150 employees. And so Our board of trustees has done this for me. They have set out a set of work responsibilities and work expectations, and they hold me accountable to them. And I have to work hard to meet those standards, and I'm willing to do that because I'm driven not only by the passion for the mission that I have for our school as it operates within the mission of God, but also just my own drive to be a strong Christian and make a contribution to God and to his kingdom. And so I work hard to fulfill those processes and meet those expectations. And when I meet them, our board says, good job. We appreciate you. Way to go. Thanks a lot. But here's another great thing that this does for me. When people outside the seminary criticize me, it gives me great comfort to listen to what they say, but not react to it too strongly because I compare what they say in their criticism against the standard of the policies and practices and procedures of the expectations that have been defined for me by my leaders, my board. And if the criticisms are criticizing me for doing things outside what my authority structure has asked of me or outside what the expectations set out for me really are, I can ignore, ignore my critics. Man, that feels good. Too many ministry leaders find themselves frequently criticized by people who are demanding that they meet their ministry needs or fulfill their ministry responsibilities in ways that satisfy the critic. But the ministry leader knows in order to do that, they would have to step away from the clear definition, the clear expectations that have been defined by their leadership role and in their accountability structures. Well, there's a tension there, but not really. 
Because if you have those clearly defined structures, you can say to the critic, no, I can't respond to you because doing so would cause me to violate what I know I'm really supposed to be doing. Now, having said all that, let's talk about, just for a few moments, how ministry leaders can work on three key issues to manage their own expectations and to do a better job of managing the legitimate expectations of ministry leadership. First of all, as a ministry leader dealing with unrealistic expectations, focus on the priority tasks which meet the primary needs of the realistic expectations in your ministry context. Let me say that again. Focus on the primary tasks which meet the needs of the expectations, the legitimate ones, in your ministry context. Don't waste time and energy on less significant tasks. Do those tasks which are most important for fulfilling or for meeting the realistic expectations in your ministry setting. If people are going to be disappointed, let it be for minor issues, not major oversights. Let me give you just one sort of very clear example, and then we maybe could talk about others. If you are responsible to preach or teach on a regular basis, in that moment, you're going to have assembled before you 50, 100, 1,000 people who are going to hear what you have to say. That is your most important moment of your week because it's the place you're going to impact the most people in the shortest amount of time. Therefore, if that's one of your primary expectations, how can you come to that time and say, I'm sorry I really don't have a very good message today, or I'm sorry that I didn't really polish this presentation very well. I just didn't have time this week because of so many other demands of ministry. What you're really confessing to your followers or your hearers is that you lack the spiritual wisdom to know how to prioritize meeting the priority expectations of your work and letting the lesser expectations fall to the bottom of the list or in some weeks fall off the list. You see, if something's going to fall off the list and not be done at all, make sure that it's one of the lesser responsibilities that you have, not one of the higher responsibilities. So each week, for example, I sit down and make a list of the things I need to get done during that work week, and then I prioritize them as best I can with what's the most important to meet the priority expectations that I need to accomplish to fulfill my job in my current ministry assignment. So I write out all the things I need to do, and then I prioritize. What on this list, what on this list must be done to meet the main tasks for which I'm responsible? And I want to make sure I get those things done first. I do them first. I do them best. I do them with the most energy. I do them when I'm at my very uh, most productive part of my week. And in accomplishing that, I recognize that some other things lower on my priority list might not be done at all because I might run out of time working on the top priority items and have to leave off the lesser items. That's fine. If I'm going to be criticized for not meeting expectations, I want to make sure that I'm criticized for not meeting the lesser expectations that people have for me and not the greater expectations they have for me to fulfill my most important tasks. And it's also important in doing this to remember that the most important tasks we have as ministry leaders are not those created in the urgency of the emotion of a moment, but are instead created in careful thought as we lay out 
what really matters and what must I intentionally do to make a real difference in the place where I'm assigned. And then another way to manage unrealistic ministry expectations is to make sure that you have developed your personal security to the point that you are not dependent on the affirmation of others for your personal significance. You know, I once worked with a pastor in Washington State who struggled greatly with this. Every time the phone rang, he raced out of his house to go and meet the immediate need of his church members. And sometimes, quite frankly, those immediate needs could have waited until the next day. But no, that's not how he saw it. If the phone rang, he was like a fire horse ready to lead the charge to put out that emergency fire that had just erupted. He created a culture in which everyone in the church thought every problem they had was an emergency and could immediately attract the attention of the pastor. Well, a few years of this went by, and finally his wife left him. His marriage fell apart. His children were in disarray, in chaos because of what had happened in their family. I sat down with him, and I asked him, what happened? And he said, well, every time the phone rang, I I left, and I did that for years and years and years. And my wife often asked me not to do that, but to say, discern what's a real emergency, and of course, always go. But so many of these other needs, I don't think they're a real emergency. And then she said, I think you're only going because you need to be needed. Man, that was a hard, hard conversation. I said, you know, I I have to echo that your wife's observation is probably right. You went because you needed to be needed, not because it was a true emergency. And because of that, you spent all of this time chasing around, taking care of these lesser priorities, trying to meet these unrealistic expectations of so many people, and you lost the most important priority in your life, your family. So, ministry leaders... Not only do we have to focus on the primary task and meet the primary needs, and if we're going to let something go undone, let it be the unrealistic uh, expectations attached to lesser priorities. But secondarily, we have to develop the personal security to know that we can say no to people or say to people, I can see you tomorrow or I can put you on my calendar and not rush to meet every immediate need. That's an unrealistic expectation, and it's more reflective of our need to be needed than it is meeting the real needs of ministry. And then finally, ministry leaders must reject the myths about the ministry. Man, there's several of these. I'll just give you two or three today. One myth I've already mentioned is I must always be available. Ministers, deacons, elders, pastors, we think we have to always be available, and that's how we show that we care for people. Well, not necessarily. Some of the most important people in our world, our doctors, our attorneys, others, They're not available at the drop of a hat on the moment's notice, a quick phone call. No, you can see them, but you need to see them on a schedule because their time is very valuable and what they do is very important. Now, I'm not saying a minister needs to be that strict about his schedule, but I am saying ministry leaders need to understand that we don't have to always be available. We can be away studying or away praying or away caring for personal needs and not be neglecting our duties. Then we have to reject the myth that we have to meet the needs of every person. You know, that's just unrealistic. We just can't say that we're going to meet every need, every person, every time, in every situation. And then finally, another myth, I must harm myself to prove my devotion. I recently talked with a ministry leader who's resigned his position based on his physician's counsel because his blood pressure is out of control, he's having heart palpitations, all these kinds of things. He finally had to come to the place where he said, you know, I don't have to keep doing this 
to prove my devotion. My devotion to Jesus is not tied to my harming myself. That's so true. Yes, yes, there is a time to sacrifice ourselves, especially for a short season to advance God's kingdom and to fulfill the mission of our ministry, but harming ourselves intentionally, perpetually, in order to prove something to someone, that's an unrealistic expectation of ministry based on a myth we have to reject. Well, unrealistic expectations, they're problematic, they're a challenge. We can learn to manage them better and we can learn to handle them in a way that they actually become a productive part of the work we do. I challenge you to do it as we lead on.